Folks, thanks for listening to our tenth episode of Console Cast, our, our Jedi Console ca- uh, podcast. You've got Brandon here and Katie, and uh, and we've got a special a special guest for today. So today we're we're stopping over at Paradox, and uh, we've got we've got the owner of Paradox. You want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little, uh, maybe just a little about yourself. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, my name is Richard Early, and yeah, I own Paradox Comics and Cards out of Fargo, North Dakota, and. Very cool that you guys uh, thought to have me on. Oh, well, I, the pleasure is all ours. I think we've certainly talked about Paradox on here uh, almost every episode, it seems like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen <laughs> to episodes now. It's all good. <laughs> and, it and I know we've we've definitely talked, or, uh, you know, I, well, I think I speak for us both. We get all of our comics here, and we talk about comics a lot, so it comes up a lot. So Yeah, and actually, fun fact, I got my very first comic here. It was a Buffy comic, and I was very intimidated walking into the store because I had never been in a comic book store before, and you were so helpful that I felt comfortable coming back, and now I've just expanded to a huge comic book fan, so thank you. <laughs> that I love that story. <laughs> no, like, uh, um... Uh, have you been to uh, one of our ladies' nights yet? I have, yeah. That w- that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a cool setup. So that's you have a lot of cool events and a lot of things going on. So maybe just for people who are unfamiliar, we could start off talking about a little bit about your store, the kinds of merchandise that you carry and the types of events that you host, like maybe a little bit more about ladies' night and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of shops are kind of either a game store or a comic book store, but pretty much from day one, we've tried to be all things to all people for good, bad, or ugly. So, um, I mean, the first decade we were open, we were New Comics and Magic the Gathering, and for the longest time, we thought we were a game shop because we were a Magic the Gathering shop. Well... I learned at some point when I started trying to sell board games and things like that that, no, I was not a game shop by being a magic store. I was a magic store. Magic players are are awesome. Um, however, like there's this divide between how board game players uh, see gaming and how magic players see gaming. Okay. And it took me a long time to understand that. So, um, But yeah, you know, especially over the last five years since we doubled our space and added the event center, our goal is to be... Uh, you know, to, to entertain. Um, like me, I consider what I do mainly is like event planning and organizing. Like I'm the idea guy. Uh, I've got other people who do the ordering and that kind of thing, but I'm the one who sits around and tries to brainstorm the next goofy thing that we try to do. So, And you've got a lot of, you know, like family tabletop night and, and um, we mentioned ladies night and then you've got a back to school. So you have a lot of specials too, in addition to kind of, and, and actually you have a regular D&D night, too, don't you? Yeah, Wednesday nights is D&D, Friday night is magic, once a month there's tabletop mm-hmm. night. Um, we Yeah, we try to do potluck a couple of times a year with tabletop night. Um, you know, we've tried a lot with tabletop night, different things, and it seems like what people want is they want the space to sit out. <laughs> um, you know, and, and if you try to put a lot of other spins on it, we met with resistance early on, although you can see now that the the casual gaming phase has maybe passed us by a little bit, especially with how Target, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I mean, name a big box store or whatever, you know, they're all 
um, kind of into this thing now. It's like the wave started uh, with us and, and has gone to mass market. So that's become quite a challenge. And I think also like a lot of people like meet friends and create groups. So after mm-hmm. a while, they don't need the tabletop night anymore because it's a good home. It's a good place to meet and start that sort of thing. But if you can develop your own home group, then you don't necessarily need it. So it's just an interesting challenge for us to try to figure out how to, you know, reinvent ourselves all the time. I think another thing, too, I'm, I was looking at your shirt earlier, you do a little bit of fundraising, if I've, I've got that right. Oh, yeah, like our, our big charity, charity thing, um, I, and I'd like to do more, but like once a year we do uh, Extra Life through the Children's mm-hmm. Miracle Network, um, and yeah, I'm wearing my Be a Hero, Heal yep, Kids shirt. I love that today. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Hillary Mork over at Sanford Children's, absolutely amazing, and you know, last year the board gamers of Fargo-Moorhead raised about 32000 bucks oh for gosh. Sanford Children's, oh, oh. and yeah, it, it's it's so weird. We're like the only town in the country where all of our fundraising is coming from board gaming and none sure. from video games. Like it's just it's just bizarre. So yeah. we've got new leadership though. Uh, Steve DeCray from Grand Forks is leading an extra life guild and is very dedicated to make a bunch of new connections. And we really, you know, it's just I, I don't know. It's hardcore for me. So I mean, personally, I've got a lot of personal attachment. I mm-hmm. I grew up. I'm <laughs> most people know me in person. Like I'm visually impaired. I'm blind in my left eye completely. Uh, have been since birth. Well, I did, you know, so many years in, uh, years is an exaggeration, but I had, you know, a dozen to 15 eye surgeries by the Mm -hmm. time I was 14. I know what it was like to be that kid in that hospital and having my parents try to take care of me and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know, it's just always been something that really appealed to me for a charity. And it's such a wonderful thing for the community. I really, I think it's one of the many great things that come out of the store. Absolutely. But it's, you know, like, we could do that, and if we didn't have gamers and customers and things like that, it wouldn't matter. Like, the great thing about Fargo-Moorhead, we are just full of leadership. There are people at every in every game and at every level who are great at stepping up to be leaders. You take the the CoreCon, InterCore, how mm-hmm. that that convention started as a spin-off of ValleyCon and barely had 100 people at it the first year and now it's a, you know, thousand person plus event every year that's a mainstay um and you get that you know in dungeons and dragons local guys like john Leighton who have taken the reins and organized our wednesday nights and things like that like you you don't have the the success you've got without those people in your community and most of all without the players because even those guys they could organize and if nobody shows up it doesn't matter so i i, I think fargo moorhead has always been like a really special community Absolutely. Yeah, it strikes me that way, too. I'm not from around here, but what you're saying totally, that's been my experience. It is amazing how active people are here and how involved they yep. are. Yeah, absolutely. So you spoke a little bit about childhood, and, and we like to talk about psychology, of course, so maybe we're just wondering a little bit about the different factors that personally drew you into comics or games or any of any of the other hobbies that this store is focused around. That's something I think a lot about. I'm working on a uh, memoir for Paradox. Oh, what I, good. What I'm trying to do is put together, like, yeah, I just want to put together a couple hundred page kind of small business book, um, you know, including graphic design and all that. I'm not trying to write the great American novel. Um, but, you know, it, and, and in the introduction, like, I talk about how um, when I was about five or six years old, I got my first comic, and it was at the Mayo Clinic um, down in Rochester. And so, you know, we would go down there for either checkups or surgeries or all that kind of stuff, and there was a newsstand in the lower level, and I got a Spider-Man comic, and I wish I could remember what it was. Like, it's one of about three books, but I just don't know which one it was for sure, Sure. you know. Um, At least in my head, that's the way it is. I was probably too young to actually remember, but... um, And, and like, I don't know, it was the... You know, for me, it was the, the... 
it was clearly the escapism. Like I was too young to appreciate the story or know mm-hmm. anything about it, but it was the the colored costumes and and all that sort of jazz. And uh, I don't know. Like by the time I was ten. Um, you know, I got, I'm one of those guys who saw Star Wars in the theater in 1977, Mm -hmm. and that was my entire universe after that movie came out. I remember in like fourth or fifth grade, we had the opportunity to order through a magazine book at at, uh, grade school Mm -hmm. and comic books were in there and there was a Battlestar Galactica comic or a Star Wars comic. And I picked the the Battlestar Galactica one for some reason. Um, And after that, you know, by the time I was 10 or 11, there was a direct comic shop in town. Uh, Lantern Comics in downtown Fargo. I mean, I shop there virtually every chance I could get, and within a couple of years, every Friday when new comics came out. So, I mean, to me, it's just it's inherently tied to my experience um, as as a kid. That's really interesting. It sounds like it was really meaningful during those times. And do you think that's something? Do you hear a lot about that from other people that come in the store? Or just people you talk to about comics? That what do you think draws people into those types of things? Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe in my experience that you you gain a bond of some kind with with a hobby. I mean, a lot of people do. Like, obviously, people are going to discover stuff late in life and things like that. So it's not always going to be that way, but. Um, you know, a customer of mine who grew up uh, playing games here, his name is um, Alex Davey. He's now the lead designer for Fantasy Flight Games' X-Wing Miniatures game. But he started playing Pokemon in my store when he was 10. You know, I mean, I've known that kid, that guy his entire life. And now what does he do for a career? He designs a miniatures game, you know. Um, I know I know infinite number of people who are like that. I mean, some of them have to go out and get real jobs, unfortunately. But, <laughs> that is unfortunate. Um, yeah, or most of us have to go out and get real jobs, you know. But yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in that in that bond between you know what you what you did when you were young and as you grow up. Do you have any thoughts about why in recent years it just seems like tabletop games, like you t- we were talking about earlier, and and comics have been much more popular. What do you think is going on there culturally that's led to that? Oh, I, I think... So, when we started doing Tabletop Night, um, it was kind of in response to watching the growth in sales in board games. We, in about an 18-month period, saw something like a 700% increase in our board game sales. And and it was, you know, it was, it was always... It was never a huge line for us, and it became an absolutely dominant part of the store. We went from being a magic and comic shop that happened to have a few board games to being a magic board game comic shop in, you know, a year. Well, when we came up with the idea of Tabletop Night, it was obvious that, like, well, okay, there's Friday Night Magic for Magic. There's Wednesday new releases for comics. What could we do to emulate, you know, that kind of thing for for board games? The thing I tried to figure out, what is the underlying psychological need of the player who comes in to play board games? And actually, I'm, I'm not making this up for your podcast. This is a true story. You can ask all my employees. We, we, we talked about this a lot. And the identifying word for me kept coming back to acceptance. And I just think it's, I thought it was nothing other than that. So what Tabletop Night provided was a place they could simply be and it was okay to be there, and it was okay to play these weird board games grandma's never heard of, and, you know, things like that. And I think that's what the conventions are about. I think that's what, um, you know, uh, uh, the activities at your local shop or your national conventions, you know, so on and so forth. And, like, there's been a wave, I mean, you guys know this better than me, but it feels to me like 
the idea of identity has moved to the forefront of our entire culture, mm-hmm. whether it's in movies, books, whatever our art is, it's there, you know. So I think, like, the thing about being a nerd is being a nerd was always about a unique identity. And it's just it, it just is the right thing to move to kind of the front of that movement. Um, it, it's like the identity wave caught up with the nerds and they became popular or we became popular um, or it became okay to be us. And I mean, that's, that's kind of how I, I see things. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think in some of our clinical work, working with clients in therapy, it does seem like acceptance is a big motivator for a lot of people. So it is nice to see that. And maybe especially for you being a long time into these types of things, just seeing a huge difference in the number of people and the acceptance of that must be interesting to see that evolve. Hey, comic readers are different, you know, okay. because comic readers, it's a, there, there's a sect of comic readers who enjoy that idea of acceptance by going to a convention, but there are a lot who don't want any part of that. You know, comic reading, I think, attracts um, people who are more solo, you know, mm-hmm. they because it's a, it's a single act. It's not something, it's not a shared act. Um, yeah, you can go online or talk to your friends, but if you liked a comic, there's not much to talk about. Hey, I like that comic. Yeah, me too. Okay, we're done, you know. <laughs> My brother, who, who works full-time for me, he always says, you know, like, when we see a bad movie, we talk about it all the time. When we see a good movie, we just say it was good, and that was that. So, um, so the so comics are kind of like that, and kind of attract sort of a different type of person. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you go to the movie theater and you're waiting in line, not anymore because you buy tickets online. But you know, <laughs> but I'm old, so I remember waiting in line. You know, like you would hear that guy like three people away from you who would be the expert on Batman or on you know, Chewbacca, whatever, you know, pick the movie you were waiting in line for. He'd read the books and he knew the comics. And so he was telling all his friends about that. And so I, I think there's a role there too, where it, it makes certain people, it, it brings out that, that sense of, well, I guess it's the leadership sense or the, you know, makes them into experts effectively, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that, you see that a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. So the the nature of tabletop gaming and other types of games, like you mentioned, Magic, that is much more of an interpersonal connection type thing. But comic book reading does lend itself to more of solitary. People like doing things on their own, maybe more introverted type people. Yeah, I think a lot of the time that's true. But you've seen uh, uh, with the movement of uh, women who've gotten into comics in the last several years, Everybody knows this. Marvel Comics, DC Comics, everybody is is scrambling to to respond to the change in audience. You know, mm-hmm. they uh, uh, for many years, I mean, for I mean, almost the whole history of comics, that was that's a male dominated industry. It's spandex tights and and uh, and you know, figuratively drawn women. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's change. That's still there, but. There's this this movement, yeah, of young women who've gotten into comics and they want something different, and the companies are trying to give it to them. What's actually happened too? I there's a divide between older comic creators and younger comic creators, and it's definitely stemmed out of this. It's really interesting if you want to read about it. Um, there's you know some very key figures who've been at the heart of this thing, but. Um, there are older guys who they're used to doing business the way they've always done it and it's changing on them. And so, and not just creators, I think readers as well. Um, the problem that has evolved is, you know, Marvel comics has become very divisive amongst readers. Older readers don't have any interest in what's going on in the company. Uh, but younger readers are responding and you've got them changing all their characters to be ethnically diverse to be gender diverse all this sort of stuff they're taking 
Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, all those characters, and they're all gone. None of them are in their roles that you know them from the, from the movies anymore. Uh, and it's, it's like they can't... It's become so split that they can't publish a comic for both sides of it, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one or the other, and it, I think it's really making them make a choice so, on how to, how to approach publishing. Well, that's really interesting. So even subgroups within it all, yeah. Well, it's, it's that subdivision, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, and I guess because of access to media would be my guess, but when I was a kid, I mean, we started off, we had, you know, we were the four TV channels family, you know, mm-hmm. um, before cable and things like that. Then you get cable and you're like, oh my God, I have 50 channels, you know, and now you have, uh, what you know, satellite TV, you've got 500 channels, and then you've got YouTube, and then you've got, like, you know, we talk about this a lot, like, Comics are struggling in some cases because you pay four bucks for ten minutes of entertainment, um, which isn't which isn't a totally fair thing to say because you also possess the comic mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, at the same time, I could go home from school and I could watch YouTube videos for the next eight hours and things like that. Like it's really hard to understand how pay media you know competes with that you know. Um, and also, I don't need to read an X Men comic anymore because it's the only thing published. You know, I've got the ability to pick up. Uh, almost anything that I'm interested in. and it's, it, I bet you on a media level, it's becoming incredibly challenging to hold an audience. I think like Marvel and DC probably are really struggling with that because they're, they're like the, the ABC, the CBS, and the NBC who used to rule the roost, and now there's all these other outlets that people can go through. So I, kind of going back to this idea of mental health and, and how it intersects with comics, a couple of things that we've talked about and noticed are kind of individuals who are maybe part of the geek or nerd culture um, tend to get really excited about different things, comics or games or movies, and it's certainly true of us and actually what led to this whole project. Um, but one thing, I mean, one thing that we've noticed is people experience a lot of positive emotions, um, you know, interacting with others or talking about those things or, or having something to be excited about, um, and sometimes positive emotions can help people get through areas uh, or challenges in their lives. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's... Uh, there's a gentleman who came to Tabletop Nights, uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago or mm-hmm. so, and one night, Tony Tilton from ValleyCon was here, and we gave away some badges for ValleyCon, and he won one of them. Um, and he is... Uh, I'm not sure what his um, issues are. I, I know that he has some sort of psychological issues, mm-hmm. right? But he... Uh, mental health, I should say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he wasn't going to go. Uh, at all he was super shy and would just never do it mm-hmm. well he got the free ticket so he went ahead and checked it out and he came up to me i think it was a valley con later and it was funny because tony gave the tickets away mm-hmm. but this guy thinks i'm the greatest hero in the history of the world because he never would have gone and it changed his life you know sure. he was able to just i mean and I, I ran into him one night i was out um downtown going between drinking establishments and i ran into him and he just was all over me about this and and it was great because i was you know with someone but um (laughs) so it worked well for me too yeah (laughs) but you know so that's a i mean that's just the exact example of what you're talking about i think the other thing besides identity and acceptance i think the thing is a sense of ownership i think that people feel like they you know they not only belong but they they have something that's theirs Mm -hmm. um and that's a huge element in in the whole thing 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great point that I, I hadn't really thought about that very much. I think about the connections and the positive emotions, and certainly listening to your podcast, Doc's Cast, and even talking to the store, I hear how enthusiastic you are, and I relate to that. Like, I do feel that is a shared thing, and of course people get excited about all kinds of things, sports and things like that, but it seems like part of what's appealing, at least to me, about geek or nerd culture is that it's okay to really geek out about something and be excited about it, and it's not looked down upon so it's nice to hear some personal stories about that too yeah and i don't think you're not as uh you're not i mean in the 80s when i was growing up you were definitely kind of the the oddball you know or the the odd man out or or whatever or odd girl out but you don't have that sense anymore because you can find your sliver of the culture now and Mm -hmm. and and find identity there yeah, and that's kind of, we've talked about this a little bit, but one of the, the last questions, well, we have some other quick questions, yeah. but one of the more psychology-related questions is, do you think that people who might be socially isolated, not just talking about like introverted, but people to the point where they're lonely can benefit from coming out to some of your events? Do you think that people who otherwise wouldn't feel comfortable going to bars or something like that, that they're drawn to these things and it's a healthy way for them to form relationships? Oh, yeah, 100%, if you can get them there. I mean, we've got... um, I've got a person who... Uh, I won't even refer to gender. I'll just leave it just super Mm -hmm. generic, you know. But I've I've got a person who uh, has worked here off and on and and, uh, has been a struggle to be part of events. And this person uh, got engaged in one of the events that we were doing. Uh, Not engaged, like, I mean, got involved in Mm -hmm. one of the events we were doing and came to it and kind of went into a spiral afterwards. And I'm not 100% sure it was just the event with the social structure, um, but I think it was kind of an overwhelming uh, influence, you know, um, at that moment and virtually disappeared for months. Mm. And then the next time we ran the same event was not around. And I, I felt terrible for a really long time for I knew that they were I knew that there would be a challenge for them, but they were very excited and I thought it would be really good for them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can happen, too. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, but that same person is someone who goes to concerts and has gone to San Diego Comic-Con and, mm-hmm. you know, challenges themselves to do all kinds of things like that. So, yes, 100%, I think that's true. It's, it's you know, but it's got to be, the it's got to be right for them, mm-hmm. I guess, um, in the right way. So, I don't know if that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great answer. It's great Absolutely. hearing your thoughts. I'm citing very specific cases that may not be reflective of, you know, everybody. But. Oh, we, I mean, and we appreciate you have that experience and, and that, those experiences. So we appreciate uh, hearing about that stuff. Yeah, we um, we have some quick fire questions. So we're going to ask you five questions, um, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, you, you know I give quick answers. <laughs> DC or Marvel? Oh, ah, uh, DC. <laughs> Okay, that is the correct answer. <laughs> Angel or Spike? Well, the thing about <laughs> quick on DC and Marvel, uh-huh. in my experience, younger fans always like Marvel, and hmm. as they get older, they like DC. Oh, uh, that's interesting. That's yeah. at least that's that's been the way it is up until now. So I, I I don't know enough about the new culture to know if that's true, but I sure. but yeah. So there you go. That is really interesting. Angel or Spike? Yeah. Oh, Angel. <laughs> Angel. I'm a softie. Yeah. We, we used to call we used to call him uh, 
good pyres and bad pyres. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, Angel. I, I lean Angel too. I own the nerdiest thing I own <laughs> is a one to one replica of Angel Puppet from uh, Smile Time, the season five episode of uh, Angel. If you know what I'm referring I to, I do. That's outstanding. <laughs> yeah. so it freaks that, people out though because they have yeah. no idea <laughs> what it is. That yeah. was a creepy episode, but that <laughs> nope. is that is fantastic. No, that, ben that's Ben Edlin, who wrote the Tick, wrote wow. that episode. So. Created the tick, sorry. We may have to come back just to talk about Buffy. Favorite <laughs> superhero? Uh, oh, I'm a see, I'm a sucker. So like Superman and Superman, Spider-Man, Captain mm-hmm. America. I mean, I just I like the I like the Boy Scouts that everybody mm-hmm. else doesn't like. So yeah. favorite tabletop game? Uh, that's a, I don't play as many. I mean, I play Dungeons and Dragons. I play mm-hmm. I play I have a regular D and D group. Okay. And those are <laughs> the last oh, question yeah. is dungeon or dragon. Oh, dungeon or dragon, <laughs> nice. So, uh, I don't know, uh, dragons. I know, I mean, okay. <laughs> it, okay, we'll take it. <laughs> the, the other thing about comics, mm-hmm. last thing, DC oh, sure. and Marvel. Uh, Grant Morrison has a really good book called Super Gods, and in that he calls. Uh, Superman, the Beatles, and Batman, the Rolling Stones. Oh. Okay. It's a really good book about the psychology of comic books. If nobody's read that thing, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It's part biography, or it's part auto, part autobiography, but part like a, a delving into you know the history of comics and and the meaning behind it. But the two things I always think mm-hmm. is comics are, are, I mean, they're art. So all they are is a reflection of any given era in time. So right now, comics are heavily into um, ethnic and gender diversity, which is a reflection on current culture, right? Mm -hmm. So if you flip back to the 1940s and the characters are a reflection of what people needed during a wartime and things like that. Well, the big thing, I think, is that, you know, for like 30 years, we've been in a Batman era. People don't like Superman. They like Batman. Mm -hmm. And we may even actually be, be beginning to move out of that into something even different, I think, now. But that's the way it's been is... People want that vigilante. They want that, I think, that sense of, like, themselves, that sense of justice, mm-hmm. whether whether the institutions are there for them or not. And I think Superman is, like, the institution. So that's why, you know, and so, I don't know, that, that's a thesis I've always had for a really long that time. That is so. incredibly interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, I did wonder about that, that kind of which draws people, because, of course, there are people who more, lean more Superman or Batman. And so that's really interesting as a culture to think about how that could influence those broadly at a cultural level those choices and preferences so. yep i mean ultimately they're just means of their of their original incarnations mm-hmm. at this point and so society shapes them into into you know what it needs i guess so well this has been outstanding thank you so much it's it's been a pleasure having you on our podcast and we just really appreciate it yeah absolutely thank you so much uh and uh Everyone who's listening, all of our millions of listeners, <laughs> please check out our Facebook page. Check out the Paradox Facebook page. If yeah. you haven't been over here, Katie and I talk about it all the time. Get over here, get some comics, play some games. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a great place. Uh, so I think we'd encourage you to get over here and check it out and, and uh, maybe meet some new people. I'm going to pay him. <laughs> that sounds just fine for us. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks very much, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.